Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Hate Read. I'm one of your hosts, Em. And I'm another of your hosts, Anna. Normally here on Hate Read, we like to challenge the other to read a book that we think she'll hate, but during the summer months, we are taking part in a special slummer reading project where we are reading the much-lauded Animorphs series by K.A. Applegate. Is it lauded? I don't know. I'm lauding it. I'm saying the word laud too many times now. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to uh, go ahead and start off this episode as we always do uh, with our um, ritual, which is uh, where we say in unison, from from the the water water that that gave birth birth to us, us, from the grass grass that that feeds us, us, for for the the freedom freedom that that unites us, us, we rise rise to the stars. stars. (laughs) So goofy. Freedom, Freedom is, is my, my only, only cause. cause. Duty, Duty to, to the, the people, my, my only guide. guide. Obedience, Obedience to my prince, to my, prince my, only glory. my only glory. The destruction of my enemies, my most solemn vow. vow. I, Anna, and Delight Warrior Cadet, offer my life. Excellent. Is that it? I'm so glad uh, we did our ritual. <laughs> me too. I really feel better now. It, I'm re- really ready for this episode. Yes. <laughs> Um, so what'd you think of this book? I loved it. As with every other book in this fucking series, uh, number, <laughs> book number eight, The Alien, was fucking fantastic. It was really good. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed having Axe as a narrator. Me um, too. I didn't realize we were missing ugh. out on so much. I know. And it was just, it was nice because as much as I have strong opinions about each of the children, their voices do get a little bit same samey sometimes. Um, I think yes. that's fair to say. But yeah, it was nice to have kind of this outsider looking in and getting all the dirt and stuff and fun fun revelations in this one. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. it really um, took us to another level with this like Andalite Yerk War. Yeah, and we got some of the info on. Andalite culture that I've kind of been missing. Not so much Yerk culture. You, like I've said before, I want to know all about the Yerks and how all their shit works. But yeah, there's a lot mm-hmm. of fun fun world building in this one, I think. Well, mm-hmm. galaxy building, I guess, technically. Yeah, the fact that there's still so much to be revealed and explored mm. in book eight has me really feeling good about the rest of the series, but also like really bummed out that this is going to be the last book we read for a while. <laughs> For a while, for a while. Let's go ahead at the top here um, and just mention this is the last Animorphs book we're doing in this bunch. The Animorphs will be back. We promise we're going to keep doing Animorphs. Um, We are Mm -hmm. looking into doing them more regularly along with kind of our other content. Uh, And this is also the last episode of Hate Read, technically, because we are changing the name and rebranding and relaunching next fortnight. So, um, hate read, enjoy. Yeah, no more hate read. Uh, Yeah, it'll still be a lot of the same stuff you guys are used to. We'll get into a little bit more what the changes are going to be at the end of the episode. um, So you guys are ready and prepared. I think are we are we going to go ahead and announce the name at the end of this episode? Yeah, I don't think it should be a surprise when it gets like they'll okay. be like, "What is in this case podcast people... in my inbox?" Delete. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Probably a good idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into the plot of this book, I guess, since we're here. Yes, our yes. Last, let's finish talking about animorphs before we yes. tread in unknown territory, some more dangerous waters. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, so as we mentioned, this is an XPOV, which is our first one from him, and I wanted more immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did get a little bit of the XPOV in that Megamorphs book that we read last fortnight. Yes, um, that's true. But which kind of it had me thirsty for this I book. Feel like it kind of undercut this one a little bit because there's some. I'm thinking specifically of um, this is also the first one with a prologue where we get kind of axes. Yeah, flashback of the. Yeah, events leading up to the Animorphs finding him. And there's like a wham line at the end of it, which is like, he had, Visser 3 had killed my brother. It was a terrible burden, but I had to, I knew that one day I would have to kill Visser 3. And it's like, we already knew that though, because of the Megamorphs book, because that was like a huge plot point in the Megamorphs book. So it did kind of undercut this big revelation wham line at the end of the prologue a little bit i was like well yeah duh we we know (laughs) (laughs) we read the books come on um i also like that was differently formatted about this book is how we have i guess axe is keeping a diary and so each of Mm. the chapters begins with a line from his diary mostly about like his observations on human and human interactions and human culture and things like that but they were very amusing and i i enjoyed yeah yeah i would like more insights from axe on just everything i think there's a danger with that of it being like cheesy but i didn't Mm -hmm. find it cheesy at all like i thought except maybe and just this is kind of just in generally speaking to axe as a narrator um i think the whole like alien from another world discovering new things could come off as cheesy in general and it did a couple times like i'm thinking of the um, watching the movies and him being obsessed with chocolate thing. That was a little bit much. Yeah. But, like, for the most part, I thought it all seemed very um, believable, I guess, and uh, yeah. natural, and it wasn't, like, forced. It. I was like, yeah, this is how yeah. an alien would think of this, for the most part. Couple yeah, I agree. Here. I think the scenes where she tries to use acts as comedic, relief is a little bit strange because that's not the kind of Mm -hmm. character he is but i mean i guess maybe that's where the comedy comes from it's unexpected but yeah i did not care for those yeah i thought those were that and the the chili scene later were pretty were pretty much the weakest yes but then when he just has like these off-the-cuff remarks where he like clearly just doesn't understand things like right in his diary he writes you can't always get what you want but if you try sometimes you just might find you get what you need a famous human named rolling stone said that (laughs) Right. Like that was enjoyable when it's just like little things. But when it's like the whole scene is built around, oh, Axe doesn't know how to human. I'm like, okay, well, we a little bit silly, but it is also a book for children. So (laughs) y'all, Prince Jake, you need to start introducing him to delicious food so he doesn't freak out the first time he has it. Right. (laughs) Y'all can be having some potlucks with your Cheetos and your... And your gobstoppers. That would require Prince Jake to have any sort of planning ability, and he clearly does not. Well, speaking of Jake and his stupid plans, he's decided Mm -hmm. that the Animorphs deserve a break because they've done so much work lately. Um, And so they decide to take Axe to the movies so he can become better acquainted with human culture. Now, okay, several things wrong with this. As we already know, Axe can only morph for two hours at a time. So he doesn't even get to see a whole movie. He just gets to watch half a movie, which, why would you do that to him? Well, and, and then, also I feel like they could have, they could have let him see the whole movie if they picked an hour and a half movie, had him go to the mall as a human, go to the bathroom, morph out of human, morph back into human, go to the movie, mm-hmm. watch the movie. He still got a 30 minute window, but they didn't, yeah. they like had him morph or like go to a changing room. They're always using the changing rooms at the mall for morphing. Yeah. Just like that was their backup plan. But they had like him morph 
far away from the mall and then they all went to the mall together and then they went to the movie and then would have to leave like halfway through the movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, time management, Jacob. Time management. Please be better at it. He just... It's so and dumb. also just the whole the whole premise that Jake has of like, we really need a day off. A day off from what, Jake? You haven't, you don't train, you don't practice, you don't go acquire new morphs, you aren't team building. What are you taking a day off from? The only stuff you're doing is like, we have to do something as it arises because we don't practice and are ill-prepared. And Jake also gets mad when they practice on their own time. So like, what what are you taking a day off from, Jake? Exactly, exactly. I don't know. He's just, like, so stressed out over, well, not nothing, but pretty much nothing. It's like when I used to work at a at an amusement park over the summer, and, like, everybody who worked there were children, and, like, they would be like, I'm taking five days off next week because I just really need a day off. And I'm like, a day from what? Like, this is the only thing you're doing, and this is... It's the summer. You're not in, like, what do you, this isn't stressful. You're selling plush toys to children. Like you don't, you have days off already. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Gotta use up those vacation days, man. They didn't, we didn't have vacation use days. Them or lose them. We didn't have vacation days. It was a seasonal job. <laughs> we didn't get PTO. <laughs> you worked three oh, months out of the year man. and that was it. <laughs> It was, a, it was a hard, a hard, three months. hard, rigorous three months. Thought it would never end. Oh man! Uh, so the movie trip is a bit of a disaster because Axe gets to try chocolate for the first time and he flips out and he like is crawling along the ground eating all the chocolate and snacks off the floor. And so they have to hustle him out of the theater. And then when doing so, they come across this man who appears to be a human controller whose yerk is dying. So he's like running around the mall yelling. The Yerks are here. The Yerks are controlling us all. Ah, Yerks. The Animorphs destroyed one of the Yerks' Cantrona pools um, in Rachel's last book. So they were hoping this is what would happen. Um, but they didn't know the full effect that this would have because Axe was keeping some shit from them. Yes, Axe keeps lots of secrets apparently from the Animorphs. So they're all excited because they're like, yay, people are going to know because, like, surely not every police officer is a controller. And the police come and they, like, capture the Yerk in a little test tube and the human is taken into custody. So they're all celebrating, except Axe in his monologue, interior monologue, is like, little did they know. Furthering Jake's very good plan, the Animorphs then tried to take Axe well, to and school, they, posing as Axe Jake's cousin. which does like, watch, and this happens on page, as the police officer administers some sort of shot to the former controlee Ooh, killing him. So like Axe yes. sees that, but yes. the other Animorphs don't because they don't know that that's a thing they should be looking for. Yes. I forgot about that. They then try to take Axe to school, which like in what universe can just like a random kid go to school with no note from a parent or anything, just like show up and go to class. With I don't know. I think this, well, I guess from a parent, I don't know. I, I do remember in like, uh, I want to say middle school, there was at least one time when someone had like a cousin, like literally this situation of a cousin visiting from out of town and uh, uh-huh. they were allowed to like shadow them or whatever. Um, so, I mean, like that does happen. But yeah, I guess with no note from a parent. But I think you could make the argument because I believe the teacher that they tell this to is the same teacher who is a controller and 
the Yerk is dying, and so maybe he's just got other shit going on, like, in his brain to, like, really worry about this this child that showed up in this class. That could be very true. He does have other things on his mind, or, like, out of his mind. (laughs) 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 Anyway, (laughs) yes, as we've alluded to, uh, the teacher in the first class they go to is also a controller who's going through a similar thing, where their Yerk is dying in the middle of class. Uh, however, Chapman busts in, and um, no one but Jake and X notice this, I don't think. Uh, well, all the other kids have left, because Chapman tells it. Jake goes over to comfort him, and then Chapman, like, he goes and comforts him, and he's like, it's going to be okay, you're going to get through this, you're going to be okay. And then Chapman comes in and is like, everybody get out. And then he's Jake's like, I, I need to stay, and acts like, nah, man, we got to go, we got to go. And then Chapman kills the guy. Yeah, so he, he saves the Yerk and then kills the teacher. And so Jake and the others confront Axe about this afterwards. And they're like, so you knew this was going to happen and you didn't tell us, you jerk. Um, also, like, wow, the morality of this all. We're responsible for the deaths of innocent people, question mark. And Axe is like, well, y'all wouldn't have destroyed the Candrona if you knew innocent people would die, probably. And then the human morphs all get offended and they are like officially fighting with Axe because he is not forthcoming with information and because he underestimates humans. Which like, I think Axe specifically brings up um, to Jake, like he's like, you wouldn't do this if you knew it would kill Tom. And Jake kind of is like, you don't know what I would do. Like, I would do this. Like he implies, I don't think he outright states like, yeah, I would kill my brother. But he does imply that he would still have gone through with it. And it's like, that's been pretty much... Yeah, he says, like, you just don't understand humans, I guess. Which, like, okay, true, because he is an alien. Yeah, and that's that's a good comeback in this moment. But it does fly completely in the face of the only characteristic slash motivation that Jake has, which is he wants to save his brother. So, like, I don't know. I feel like Axe is probably right. Like, he probably wouldn't have gone through with it because that's his whole motivation for this whole thing like i don't know right yeah i don't know i would like to see jake in this in this situation you know 13 year old jake not the assumably old jake of the future fighting off but so they're all officially in a fight but the next day marco comes to the forest to pump axe for information and decides to take him to a bookshop so he can learn more about humans so he's like yeah, I know I'm supposed to be subtle about this, but I'm just going to be up front and be like, I need to know what's up with you, man. Jake tried told me to be secretive about this, but I'm not going to be. <laughs> Which, I guess, props to Marco. <laughs> yeah, I really liked Marco in this book. I thought um, he was a good amount of comedy. Like, he wasn't... Because we've had complaints before. Yeah, we've had complaints before about him. Like, when he's the comic relief, it's very annoying but i think he was the right amount of comic relief in this one which was like yes. snarky and like not, not whiny. whiny yes yes yeah it was good props to marco so marco has forgotten his money that the group has has like banded together to uh buy axe and books and they have to go to marco's house to pick it up and while they're here, Axe ends up accidentally fixing a program that Marco's dad was working on and essentially advances human technology by 100 years <laughs> on accident. Whoopsie. He was like, I thought it was a game where words were misspelled, so I fixed it. I played the game. <laughs> and I guess it's like some sort of program. I don't know what 
I couldn't remember what the humans were using it for, but the program essentially will allow Axe to transmit messages to the Andalite homeworld. But I guess like the humans put it in a telescope in an observatory. Or something. I think it was I like I think it like boosted it, but... radio signals or something because it was like a radio telescope, yeah. and he's they were like that makes sense or something. He had said something about Z space. It was a lot of like the good type of um, sci-fi that I'm okay with in this book, where I'm like. Yeah, okay, sure. It could work that way. It's not a, a telepathic whale or a alien monster on Saturn. Like, so I'm cool with it. Um, you mean a god space whale? Yeah, like, I'm just like, yeah, sure. Do a little hand wave. Z space, whatever. Okay, cool. Like, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> sure. Axe realizes he has to destroy this technology, but before doing so, he decides to phone home because he misses his parents and stuff. Which is, you know, understandable. He's, 13, he's a child, or like I guess the Andalite version yeah. of thirteen. So he's a little homesick. But then he he enlists the help of Tobias to break into the observatory where this program was put into place. Which this book kind of has. Axe kind of has this thing going on with Tobias, oh, where he's like, so "I want to be best friends with Tobias, but I don't know if we can be best friends because, like, he is not an. He Andalite. wants to be no. Uh, he wants to be Shorm, which is their word for." Shorms. Uh, someone who you Best trust friend. to have their tail blade against your throat without killing you, which is very dramatic. He is, he's gonna get the matching necklaces, yes, yes. where it's like S H O and then R M yes. exclamation point to make it even. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, he he. <laughs> One, he believes that he and Tobias could be Shorm because they are so similar in that they are both outsiders and neither of them really have a place in this world and whatever. And it's all very beautiful and I love their relationship. I think they're great. Um, but he, yes, can, he feels bros. they can't, he can't truly be Shorm with Tobias. Not because he's not an Andalite, because that would be like a racist thing, but because of the... What is the the law called? Because I think this is a good time to bring it up. The Ciro's kindness, uh, which is the Ciro's kindness, which is this law that he keeps referring to that prevents him from telling Tobias and the other stuff. So he can't be true friends with Tobias because he feels he must keep secrets from them. So it's it's very deep. It's a very complex. Yeah. <laughs> Tobias ain't no Andalite. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Axe. It's, I feel like poor Tobias is kind of getting the short end of the stick here because, like, he doesn't get to partake in all of the human interactions, mm. and now he can't even partake in all the, uh, I guess, forest buddy interactions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I guess <laughs> now that's what our, they are, I guess our dreams roommates. of them reading Sweet Valley High can kind of come true because that wouldn't be breaking um, any rules, yes. and we've introduced now that... Uh, Axe can read because they've given him books and he's picked it up. Um, so yeah, they can they can spend all their time out in the forest reading Sweet Valley, uh, but never or World Almanac, it's never whatever. being true Shorm. There's always this divide. Like they could bond over. Yeah, never being as true Shorm as uh, Elizabeth and any character from Sweet Valley. I don't know. I can't remember any of the characters from Sweet Valley. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember either. I, w- I don't know what I was going to go with either. I can't even remember because it's... <laughs> I was hoping two names would come to me by the time I reached the end of my sentence. It's but, uh... They're twins, right? It's Elizabeth and... I want to say it's like... Um, it's actually Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, and they own a detective agency. No, I'm pretty sure that's not it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Who stole the Great Hope Diamond? What killed the dinosaurs? 
All right, this is a reference to a thing, and I don't know what that thing is. Oh my gosh, the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen detective movies. Uh, see, I was never. I was where they own a detective agency. I was never on the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen train. Oh my god, I loved everything to do with them. I think I maybe age. watched one of their later movies when they were somewhat rom commy over at a friend's house in like middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the one where they. I want to say they go to Australia because they're in the witness protection program. Is that a thing? Oh, which one? Hold on. That sounds familiar. Let me see. Um, Our lips are sealed. Yes. Yes. I think I went and saw that over at uh, my friend Leah's house in like seventh grade, maybe. Um, But that's the only Mary-Kate or Ashley Olsen content I ever consumed. I was never on that that, uh, Olsen grind. Oh, my God. Please join us for our next podcast, where all we do is consume Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen TV movies. Mm, kill me. <laughs> no, I don't know. That could be good. <laughs> no, we'll start in chronological order. We'll skip. We'll, we can skip Full House. I don't want really want to watch all of Full House. Uh, yeah, there's some but, some Full House alum who have gotten into some shit since then, right? So I don't know if. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll start with "To Grandmother's House We Go." Where are we? Uh, yes. Ciro's kindness cannot be friends with Tobias because of Ciro's kindness. Ciro's kindness also requires Axe to destroy the technology that he has accidentally introduced to the humans. Uh, but before doing so, he's like, I'm going to just use it real quick uh, to call mom and dad. And he enlists the help of Tobias to break into the observatory where the program was put into place. And... Tobias, like, acts as a lookout while acts, I feel like I'm saying acts so much. <laughs> I don't think I am. That. Tobias keeps a lookout while acts Skypes with the Andalites in his Andalite form. And I guess he just, like, I don't know, like, he just dials, I guess it's not really dialing. He just, like, aims randomly and he reaches some rando Andalite. I think he was like, wait, let me get a big wig for you. He says, like... So it's somewhat telepathic, I think. It's because he thinks Andalite home. Well, everything he he can't say anything because he doesn't have a mouth, as we're reminded of many times in this book. Yes, he has um, no mouth. He eats through his hooves. He eats through his hooves. We find out. All <laughs> right. He has mouths in his hooves. <laughs> I think it's more like um, like a a cell a cell membrane where it's semi permeable. Like, his hooves are semi-permeable. Yeah, like, where they just, like, grind stuff up, and then it, like, enters yeah. into the hoof. I don't yes. know, man. I'm just imagining lots of little mouths. <laughs> but uh, he, he, I think, like, thinks Andalite home, which is interesting that they don't have a name for their planet, which I... Yeah, why didn't you tell us the name of the Andalite planet? I mean, like, I was already kind of annoyed that they referred to Earth as Earth, because I'm like, why would they call it that? Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, but okay. But yeah, I think he just, like, thinks Andalite home, and I guess there's, like, a main transmission hub, because I think the guy he reaches is, like, his job is to get transmissions from people, because that seems to be... Yeah, he's, like, an operator. Yes, yes, yes. Operator... How may I forward your call, sir? Operator, put me through to my mommy and daddy. <laughs> Who should I tell them is calling? Their baby axe. My baby brother's axe. dead. Baby axe. He's stuck on earth. He got a poo-boo. <laughs> he's almost died several times. I'm sure he's yeah, gotten he more has. than one boo-boo. Poor axe. Yeah, but he's been able to morph them away, so it's fine. <laughs> 
he uh, so he has to talk to some bigwig prince on his planet, and he reveals that Elfangor is dead, and that Elfangor also gave humans the tech to morph, which is a huge no-no because of Ciro's mysterious kindness. And uh, this bigwig prince realizes that the Andalites need Elfangor to remain an untarnished hero. Uh, so that they can, like, rally around him as a symbol, I guess. So he convinces Axe to take the fall for this, which Axe does because he is just a child that's being manipulated into doing this. Um, and also because maybe this guy is a controller, as it is hinted possibly later in the book. I don't... And I want to get into that, I guess. I guess we can get in... Well, no, I don't want to get into it right now, but... um, We'll wait, we'll wait for serious theories. I don't know if I disagree with either the like i don't think the war prince because this is another thing we find out in this is that there's various levels of princeliness and one of them is war prince and i'm not sure if this guy's actually a war prince or a great leader or what but um (laughs) which are all titles that they have yeah i think he's just a war prince because i think there's just one great leader because he's it's very democratic yeah yeah um so he this dude i don't think he's in the wrong for this plan like i i yeah, I don't is, either. Yeah, like I and I don't think Axe if Axe was still buying the we need to the Star Trek rules of we need to leave humans alone, we cannot introduce more um stuff to this civilization. Like if he was still buying those rules, um I don't think he would be wrong to be like no, no, I'll take the fall cuz the guy's right. Like he's not going to get in as much trouble as Elfangor, like, would. And it wouldn't, like, yes. be as shameful as Elfangor doing it, right? So, like, I don't I don't know if I think he's... I guess the way he did it, though, is... I don't know. He it just seemed really aggressive. manipulative to me. It was a little aggressive, I think. But also, like, they had limited time. Yes. And it was kind of like... I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good sense of if this guy is a villain or not. Well, yeah. So, I mean, later on, it's kind of hinted that there might be controllers on their home world. Again, that has no name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Axe takes the fall for his brother. And then he is able to speak to his parents very briefly, in which he, like, goes ahead with this very formal vow to his father that he will kill um, this or three uh, but as they're about to get further into discussion, they are interrupted by a human controller, which, oh shit, but it's okay. Because this controller is pissed at Visser 3 um, for allowing his beloved to die during the Candrona rage route. So, like, because the Candrona is broken, the Earth Candrona is broken, they've been having to shuttle people up to uh, the ship in order to get the Candrona rays. But Visser 3 has basically created a hierarchy of, like, people or Yerks who are more important than others. Mm. Um, And so I guess this particular controller's girlfriend was not important and she did die. So he wants revenge. Which Um, brings up... Which is um, interesting. Something I wanted to talk about in depth with this book. And I don't know how much time we can spend on this. But I want to talk about it anyway. All the time in the world. Which is... This is going to be a three hour long Yeah. Episode. And two of those hours are going to be devoted to this next topic I have, which is um, gender amongst the Andalites and Yerks. Um, ah. I didn't even think to question this. Well, <laughs> this first kind of came up a little bit... I'm just a simple person. Earlier. <laughs> Too stupid. A little bit earlier. Too stupid to think about things like gender. <laughs> No, a little, I, I was wondering about 
the gender of the Andalites for a while because um, we've only heard of male-coded Andalites, uh, Andalites that use yes. he, him as pronouns. We don't know about genitalia, and I very much doubt from this child's book we ever will get into that. <laughs> they just think really hard and a child is born. Maybe, maybe. Uh, so I, I kind of assume that they might just be a one-gender species, that they just didn't have genders, uh-huh. because we've only heard men mentioned, or male uh, Andalites mentioned. Um, but then there's this weird, uh-huh. this kind of throwaway line in this book that made me wonder what's going on. Uh, first off, we are told that Axe has a mother and a father. So they do have a two-parent system. So I was like, oh, I guess this is just a really, really super gendered society where women are, there are women and they're like kept out of public life essentially because it seems like every other Andalite is a dude except for Axe's mom. Uh-huh. But then we get this throwaway line when he's at Cassie's, where Cassie is introducing Axe, disguised as Jake at the time, to her parents. Well, not introducing, because they already know Jake, but, you know, like, he's meeting her parents. Um, uh-huh. And Axe, when seeing Cassie's father for the first time, says, he was a male, as all human fathers are, which to me implies... Yes, I did highlight that, Yes, actually. which to me implies that not all Andalite fathers are male. Are male. Yeah. Or that they don't have a gender at all, and that they're just all using he because it's, like, the default on Earth, that they're, like, going to our gendered, um, like, norms. Yeah. So, like, I am really, really interested to see... That would be, see... as an alien race, that would be most believable to me. Right, that it's just like they're just one gender, but then it doesn't really make sense. Or they don't care about gender. Yeah, but it doesn't really make sense if they're just like one gender, I guess, to have a, a, like, it would be weird to me if they just randomly kind of came up with a two-parent system. Like, why not three parents? Why not one parent? Why not, like, a lot of parents? I don't know. Maybe some Andalites do have eight parents. But... (laughs) Then with kind of, so I was like, oh, so there is some weird gender stuff going on. And then with the Yerks, it was kind of the same thing where I assumed that they just did not have a gender because they are uh, slugs that don't really, like, do anything. But then, like, I guess maybe they take the gender of their host. I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how gender works amongst the Yerks. Because this Yerk definitely. That is a good question. Because, yeah, you wouldn't, like. Surely they wouldn't go to the the pains of like female yorks going female right and male yorks going male because to them it's just like driving a car or another piece of machinery right like right but this york who is in love with this other york um, does definitely refer to her with female pronouns I believe he says like she did this she did that so I don't know mm-hmm. if that's referring to the body or if they do have genders because he was talking about the york so I don't know if they just adopt the gender that they are in how does reproduction work amongst the yerks like i don't i don't know that's a good question and again i really don't think we're gonna ever get answers to this like because like that would be super fucking weird if we go into the like reproductive system of how andalites (laughs) and yerks bang but like i do want to know maybe later in the series when they're all older teens yeah and i mean like especially especially the andalites it seems like maybe maybe their gender isn't tied to their reproductive roles, which would be really interesting. But I don't, I don't know this again. This book was from the nineties. I don't know if 
that would be the direction that it would go in. Like, I think if this was written now, that would almost certainly be the direction that is being implied by that mm-hmm. line. But I don't know. We'll be keeping a lookout. Yeah, maybe for... it was just like a throwaway thing. Like, maybe maybe fathers aren't a concept on the Andalite homeworld. Maybe he's like, he has to... No, because he definitely says mother Andalites and father at one him. point. He calls them his yeah. mother and father. Which, I mean, maybe he's just applying... Yeah, I don't know. ...the human terms. Yeah, like he's adopting right. the human terms. I don't know. There's no way to tell. To make it easier for us readers. <laughs> Thanks, Axe. Helping us Lots to get into here. with the gender politics of... And then we don't even... Like, this doesn't even touch on the other gender issue, which is Axe's human body, which is uh, combined from two women's DNA and two... Well, not women. Two girls' DNA and two boys' DNA... Um, and it is implied that he is masculine presenting because we have things like the girls always mm-hmm. saying, oh, he's so cute and whatever. And I think Rachel at one point is like, ooh, it's, it's, it's so awkward when I think he's cute. And then I'm like, oh my God, I see this thing that reminds me of Cassie. Ooh, weird. No homo. Which like, that was obnoxious. <laughs> okay, Rachel, get over yourself. <laughs> it's like, calm down, Rachel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like we don't actually know what the whole situation is with, uh, Axe's weird morph body DNA. He's using male pronouns. I guess we're just supposed to read him as male, but I don't know if Andalites have genders like that, you know? <laughs> would would Axe care if he was misgendered? Yeah, I don't think he would because I don't think Probably not. Yeah. it would matter to him because I don't... Mm. I, I suspect that their How conception... How is formed? <laughs> I suspect that their conception of gender Axe... is different in some way from humans but i don't know how i think it's just like since everything is so telepathic for them it's just like athena they're just like they're born from the minds of each other i mean i I would that would make sense to me um if they are just one gen one no gender i guess if they're all neutrino like in that Mm -hmm. futurama episode um yeah i don't know it seems a little annoying then that they just that acts defaults to using male gender markers in his description of you know like everybody's a he and -hmm. it's like oh i mean i i guess i can't expect him to know better but yeah and i don't really know what the gender politics climate of the mid to late 90s was i was alive but i only cared about pokemon at that age i think Mm. so like you know i mean i definitely i definitely do not think that the publishing industry, the children's publishing publishing industry specifically of the mid to late nineties would be, would be interested in having a non-binary main character. Cause I don't think that was really even mm-hmm. a thing that would be in the mind of many publishers. I don't think that they would get it, but um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, it kind of, I feel like Axe should be non-binary. And I feel like if this book was written now, he would be non-binary. But because he is being gendered as male and is presumably gendering himself as male, I guess we just have to accept that he is presenting as male and refer to him as male, I guess, is the long and short of it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Like I said, I hadn't even really, like, stopped to 
like process that part of Mm. the book i was so wrapped up in the story of it in the 170 pages yeah well it's it's been something that i've been thinking about for a while of yeah what's the deal no with i think Android that's genders. that's an interesting thought I, I i like to think about it now yeah we'll have to know. keep searching for evidence when we return to the series finally yeah. and speaking of returning to the series <laughs> i got us off on this tangent <laughs> so um let's see the human controller he's very mad and so he gives Axe some information so Visser 3 is still an Andalite and he still likes to privately eat in the Andalite way <laughs> so uh, yeah you didn't think that human a controller that a Axe's osmosis hooves would become such a major plot point in this book <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, which is funny. I thought K.A. Applegate did a really good job of, like, like leading the hoof-eating. Like, she she brought it up early in the book where Tobias was like, by the way, we've all been kind of curious. How is it you eat? And Axe is just like, well, I have hooves. And, like, leaves it at that because he doesn't understand why they wouldn't know. And then, like, we're brought to, like... Visser three and he eat, has to eat privately and he's in this nice meadow and Axe is like oh I would also love to eat here um, and they don't really explain the, the full logistics of it and then at the end Marco's like okay but really seriously how do you guys eat <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out that that's why um, they do the the we did the uh, ritual that we said at the top of this podcast yes. um, that uh, this is a thing that Axe does every morning where he smushes some water and smushes some grass with his hooves and says all of these things and they're like oh you're you're like eating when you do that and he's like yeah yeah because my hooves yeah so like taking communion kind of yeah so axe learns the next time viscer three is going to be like semi alone and he's like well that's my chance to kill him and tobias is also there so obviously he also knows this information uh, but Axe is, like, swearing him to secrecy, and Tobias is like, all right, I won't tell. And he also doesn't know that, Axe doesn't know that Tobias knows the exact location because it was written down, and only Axe saw it, but then later, yes. when it is revealed that Tobias did see it, he's like, I'm a fucking hawk. Like, I can see, yeah, like, everything. <laughs> I'm a hawk, <laughs> damn it. I don't know <laughs> Stop if it's underestimating me. true <laughs> that hawks would be able to read things at a very far distance. That seems like maybe not accurate, but I don't know enough about Hawkeyes to... Well... <laughs> Hawkeye. Um, I don't know enough about Hawk's vision to <laughs> dispute it. And I don't think Hawks know enough about reading, so... Well, yeah, but, like, Tobias <laughs> has the residual... <laughs> the residual... No, I know, but, like, we can't, like, yeah. find out Yeah, we can't test because... it. Because... <laughs> uh, and then Tobias is, like, really suspicious, though. He's like, so... If your prince were to order you to tell the truth to someone, would you have to tell the truth? <laughs> and Axe is like, yeah, I guess so. And Tobias is like, I totally won't t- use that to my advantage then. <laughs> yes, I swear myself to secrecy. <laughs> um, so Axe sets out to kill Visser 3, but not before getting into another fight with Animorphs about the secrets he is keeping from them. They confront him again, and they're like, yo, dude, uh, Marco's dad found that program you fixed, and uh, you need to tell us why you had to go and destroy it, and blah, 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 and Axe again. It's just like, I can't tell you nothing. I'm sorry. See Rose kindness, man. 
what can I do? And they're like, fine, we're kicking you out of the band. And he's like, fine, I was going to quit anyway. And <laughs> no, he's, he's like, very gracious about it. Yes, yeah. He's like, thank you for all of your kindness. You've done more. I hope to see you again someday. I hope I don't die. Yeah. Or he says something like, it was, you know, I didn't have long. Yeah, anyway, he's like, he's like, it doesn't matter if, if I like I'm kicked out of the group because I'm about to go die anyway. So like, whatever. So he, um, goes to this quiet meadow where Visser three likes to eat with his hooves and he morphs into a rattlesnake. And this surprisingly works. He's able to bite Visser three a couple of times. Um, but then he has, but then he, he like has to run away and he tries to demorph while running away, which like, why wouldn't you just stay a snake until you were like further away? But whatever. I think probably because, um, <laughs> Because they see the snake, and Vister 3 is like, get the snake, mm. and everyone's, like, chasing after him, and I think it's, like, a speed issue. I think he can probably go faster as an Andalite than a snake. But a snake is, like, much harder to see. This is true. This is true. They aren't know. a giant blue deer. <laughs> also, isn't... Okay. Quick sidebar side note. Am I making up the blue thing? I know on the cover, he's blue, right? Of the, like, of uh-huh. one of these books. He's, like, a blue thing. But, like, they keep saying in this book that from a distance he looks like people would confuse him for a deer or a horse. And I'm like, but he's blue, though. So, no, they wouldn't. Yeah, I'm I'm looking on the wiki now. Yeah, I'm wondering if the blue thing Uh, was just, like, an artistic license and he's actually Yes, they're covered in blue fur. Yeah, okay, so, like, what the fuck are they smoking? Where they're like, it's fine, from a distance, you look like a horse. No, he doesn't. He's blue. (laughs) He's blue, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And he also has arms. Like, no horse has arms. Yes, he has eye stalks as well. But I can get over that because from a distance, yes, if I glanced at a brown horse-shaped thing with maybe some extra appendages and I just glanced at it from a far distance I might be like oh horse uh wait was it a horse but if it's blue I'm not gonna be like that's a horse at, at the very least I'm gonna be like that's a blue horse that does not that color does not occur naturally very often in animals right like I'm just like n- no nobody is gonna n- guys <laughs> are they going Jake you're done. Stop. Are they going to the fucking drugstore and buying him, like, Clairol yes. uh, nice and easy and, like, dyeing that uh-huh. shit? Yeah, they have to buy, like, ten boxes at once. It's just <laughs> really arduous. It just doesn't It doesn't make sense. It's like they forgot that he was blue. I don't know. <laughs> well, they just don't see color. They don't care if you're black or brown or blue. Maybe it's, like, a blue... A, a, is it a blue heron? I think, where it's actually gray, but it's, like, got a blue sheen to it. Maybe it's like that. Mm. And then, oh, from a distance, it looks like a gray horse. But it definitely isn't, because they also say deer, and there aren't gray deer. What the fuck are they talking about? There might be gray deer somewhere, but in, as far as I know, in the area where this takes place, which we have decided is basically California, basically San Francisco. I don't think uh-huh. there are gray deer. I definitely don't think there are blue horses. If there are, something's going on in San Francisco. <laughs> I want a blue horse. I'm going to go there and find out. Please San let us know. If you are from that area. <laughs> Please let us know what color are your horses. Yes. Um. He, okay, so he bites me a couple of times, and then he's running from some hork mm. and he decides to demorph, and so he's like half snake 
half Andalite. He's like just got a body and no legs, and Cute. he's about to be killed by a hork bajir. But suddenly, a grizzly bear swoops in and kills it. The human children have come to save the day <laughs> in their various powerful morphs. Yes, they're predator morphs. They have the gorilla, they have the tiger, the bear, the wolf. Yeah, I think that's Tobias. Tobias is a hawk. Poor boy. Poor lad. (laughs) So they're able to fight back the Hork-Bajir, but then Tobias notices with his special eyes (laughs) that Visser Three, the Yerk, abandons its host body because of the poison, and he dives into a nearby creek or something, and Tobias loses sight of him, and he starts freaking out and yelling at everybody to come find it. Um... But Axe is focused on the Andalite, who is now free of the Yerk. And Andalite begs Axe to kill him. But fucking Axe, dude, he's like, I can't do it. You're an Andalite. I can't kill you. Which, like, you need to get hard, Axe. Someone like, else should have done it. For real. So they could have been, like, fine yes! Axe. And then, like, fucking bit his Where neck. was Rachel? Right. Where she She's is. the one that was trying to kill him just, like, two books ago. Ridiculous. They've, they lost their edge in this moment. I was like, you guys need to get it together. They're too soft. Also, they took also, a break for one day to see this a movie was, and they went soft. This was Axe's whole thing earlier in this book where he's like, you guys wouldn't have been able to kill innocent humans because humans are too weak to do it. And mm-hmm. like, no. bitch, you did the same thing. Which I guess maybe is the point. Maybe that's character mm-hmm. growth. Maybe I shouldn't be arguing about it, but. <laughs> it was not the character growth I wanted. I wanted you to kill it. <laughs> right. I think that we are supposed to be on Axe's side in this. I think we are supposed to be like, yes. Every life has value and there's always hope and he may be able to get away from the Yerks one day. But like, I was definitely like, nah, man, should have killed him. Should have killed him. They wouldn't have an Andalite controller then anymore, probably. Exactly. Then they'd have to, well, but then it would have been bad, I guess, because they wouldn't know what form Visser 3 had. But again, okay, I guess that's the point of morphing. Visser 3 could have any form at any time. But still, (laughs) get rid of their power to morph. Yeah. That would save so many of their problems. Like, they are always outsmarted by the fact that Visser 3 can turn into a giant alien that eats everything in its path. Right. Like, that's basically every uh, climax of these books is Visser 3 turns into a giant mouth and eats them. But then they have to punch him to get away. Exactly. Or have whales save him. Like, where was Jake? Jake, the one who was supposedly able to make the tough calls. Right. right. Where were you, Jake? I wonder if perhaps... Perhaps this, I can't remember if it's stated, if this conversation, because we know that thought speech can be limited to just the people that you want to hear it, maybe this Andalite was only talking to Axe. That could be. In which case, all right, fine. But definitely so, if he was just shouting this stuff, Okay, but then here's my other up. thing. What if they took their giant predator bodies and took the Andalite with them? Right, right. I mean, man... Then they could have had like a full grown Andalite adult do they have, helping them fight. Do they have a I mean, I guess the elephant would be the best choice. I don't think anything yeah, else could carry. Can drag. Gorilla can drag. Gorilla can drag, you're right. <laughs> I don't know though. How does how how much do Andalites weigh and how much do gorilla drag? That is a good question. But I feel like the combined strength of a gorilla, a grizzly bear, and, like, they could, they could like, get a little sled and have the Andalite no, boy I don't, pull it. I don't think that would work. I think you either need the elephant or the gorilla to be, because they are the only ones with 
an appendage that can pick up, right? Something of that size. So you could either, like you said, gorilla drag or elephant picks it up with its... I literally just forgot the word for trunk and was going to say tooth. And that's just not correct. (laughs) It's big curvy tooth that can move about as it pleases. Well, they could actually, he could do that too, I guess. They could pick him up with his tusks. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of options here. But I don't think we can have a four four animals working in harmony to carry him scenario. I don't think that would Certainly not with Prince Jake as their leader. Well, or here's the other thing. What if they all touched him and then all could they could all morph into Andalites? Oh my god! And then they wouldn't have to like. They could hide their also. Humanness. They could also do that with axe. They could have done this, oh like three or four yes. months ago. You know what? You know what they should have done? They should have all touched the Yerk that was inside Jake, mm. and they could have morphed into Yerks. Mm, but I don't know what advantage that would give them <laughs> ever i don't know in any way they could though. i mean they could then they could go inside of someone's brain and fight another yerk they should be touching everything and we've already yes. been over this so like in the sense there of, is no limit to the amount of morphs these children right have. but in the just, sense of just like in case in case you ever need to hide as a slug yes i just don't know when that would come up though because i think anytime that they need to pretend to be a yerk they can just be like hi i'm a human yerk controller <laughs> that pretty much has the same effect. <laughs> you know who they should have been touching? I don't know. Which I don't know if this got into it. Um, if you can acquire dead animals, but that Hork Bajir acts, I think he took, uh, Ooh, Rachel took down a Hork Bajir, I'm pretty sure. Uh, all of them should be up on yeah. that, that old uh, living lawnmower and get some knife action. Yes, absolutely. Talking about apex predators. Mm-hmm. There's your firepower. Yeah. These kids are so dumb. They're like, bad at oh, this. I, just, I could do this so much better. <laughs> and I mean, we can blame bad leadership. We can blame that they're 13, but like, man, they're going to need to get it together There's if they're really ever going to no win. At this point. Honestly, you give, you give a kid unlimited power, they're going to experiment with it. Yeah. Like, come on. Anyway. Stupid. Um, this Andalite's like, Yo, bro, it's alright. I understand you can't kill me. So just tell my family I love them. I'm still fighting. I ain't gonna give up hope. But and he passes out. I guess I don't know. He doesn't die. And also that there are Yerks on the Andalite home planet. This is when we find that out. Oh yeah, that was the really big thing that we needed to see. He's like, yeah, their influence is beyond what we've imagined. They're on the home world. Which and you kept and saying like, oh, maybe this guy's a controller. Maybe there are controllers there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case because the Yerks are still very. Sh- like, oh, the only I think even in that future vision from the from uh the last book proper, they say something about uh Visser Three still being the only one with an Andalite body. Oh. Right? I that think is true. So I don't know if yeah. we are to assume So is it a continuity error? Yes, or... if it's a continuity error, if people just haven't gotten the news that they're like I guess if they're spies Maybe other Yerks don't know about it. Like, all maybe only Visser One knows this plan or something or whatever is bigger than that big, scary Sauron yes, figure. The Council of Seven or whatever it was. Or if there's other animals maybe on the Andalite home planet that they have. Yeah. Like, we know there's other stuff on the Andalite home world, so maybe they're just in other things. Yeah, that could be. That could be. 
Um, because, I don't know, Axe kind of, like, implied in this book that if you're an Andalite, you can tell if someone is in your controller just by looking mm-hmm. at them. Wasn't there just, like, a throwaway line? I don't remember that specifically. <laughs> I wonder if I could find that. I don't know. I've, I could have swore I read something where, like, Axe seemed to imply that and lights could tell someone was a controller just by looking at them. I don't think so, but. because there have been times when Axe has been surprised by someone being a controller. That's true. So either they only, some of them have that power, or Axe is just very stupid. I believe that. Yeah, maybe. Let's see. The book is almost over. Um, okay, so Axe, he does, he, go, he makes one more phone call, um, and he tells... Them to give a message to this guy's family and the prince that he's talking to, the big wig prince, is like, oh, that name. And Axe is like, yeah, I know you know who that is. Um, also, suck it. I love Earth. I love the Animorphs. I'm going to tell them all about our secrets. And so he does. He tells he tells the Animorphs that there used to be an Andalite leader named Ciro. And he was so kind and as an act of kindness, he is the one that gave the Yerks advanced technology so that they could see the stars. And it wasn't until it was too late that they realized the Yerks were invading other planets, taking over entire species and races. And uh, the Andalites forever felt extremely guilty about this. And they feel like it is their responsibility to eradicate the Yerks from the galaxy and they also vowed to never interfere with another life form's advancement ever again mm. that's Ciro's kindness um but then the human animorphs were like we don't blame that guy because we're we understand that he was trying to do a good thing and you gotta keep trying to do good things and they're all friends again the end yep man what a book man <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought it was kind of like a, a nice place to leave off there because this feels like the end of phase one, right? Yeah. Like, if this was the MCU. So <laughs> <laughs> without, with fewer clunkers. Yeah, there's a couple stinkers mm-hmm. in there. But yeah, so that was The Alien yeah. by K.A. Applegate, book number eight in the Animorph series. Um, what was your, well, which one do you want to talk about first? Morbid moment, MVP, um, MBM, I guess. I'm going to be obnoxious this week and like kind of not really do the assignment on most of these. So let's start with MVM because that's the one that I actually have an answer for. Okay. Who was uh, it? My most valuable morph was my boy, Tobias. Mine too. Yes. He's such a good, sweet boy. Tobias is the Tobias, best. I love guys. him so much. It's it's amazing how often he's most valuable morph, considering he can't fucking morph. Very true, very true. But you know, he is doing the most he can with the little body that he has. Yes, and he's definitely um, the heart and soul of this team right now. He's yes keeping it. He's yes. I think he. I think we kind of saw early on, and I'm really looking forward to when we get back to Animorphs another Tobias viewpoint because it's been a while since we've had one. Like, I think Tobias went through like his dark night of the soul real early on in the series, book three, and kind of came through on the other uh-huh. side, and he's really been stronger for it and has really been able to like kind of pull people through these yes. uh, situations. And he's also the most. Um, like he's thinking, he's he's the most. I don't want to say manipulative, but he's the the 
one who's able to come up with creative solutions pretty easily, right? Like he came up with the solution in this one yes. of like he's yeah he thinks outside. Yes, the box. he's not going to betray Axe's confidence. He's going to follow Axe's own rules of when Jake orders Jake, who is as Axe or as um, Tobias points out to Axe, well, he's pretty much my prince too, which we find out in this book kind of how the prince thing works. With it's basically like a title, a military title, pretty much like yes, except not really just military because he says like oh everyone has a prince so. I guess, I don't know. Um, but he's the person who's in charge yeah, of him. They, they're a very hierarchical society, and the person who's in charge of you yeah. is your prince. And so Jake, according to Axe's rules, is everybody's prince. And so when Tobias is ordered by Jake to tell him what happened, he's like, cool, now I can spill it all, and I'm not going to be breaking Axe's confidence. So in this way, um, mm-hmm. he protects Axe's feelings and also protects Axe physically and you know him and Axe best friends for life I'm super into their whole dynamic their whole relationship I love them. yeah I'm, I want like like a buddy a buddy Animorphs book with yes i have going off on their own thing I really think that this book also did was stronger for the fact that there was fewer um scenes with all of the Animorphs banding together i think we got more Mm -hmm. individual character beats from our viewpoint character and more of the individual relationship with tobias rather than kind of like oh us becoming stronger as a team and we've gotten a little bit of that here and there but i think it was nice in this book that everybody else kind of took a backseat yeah and i also like that this was kind of the first big like group conflict mm-hmm. they had mm-hmm. right so like from the beginning we've always had marco's like i don't want to do it and we've always had a little bit of an issue with rachel being a little too headstrong and wanting to do too much but this is the first time where they're like really pissed off at somebody that they're working with and i think that that brought out a lot of like i don't know interesting group dynamics where rachel and marco seem to have this like kind of grudge maybe against um other alien races and thinking like humans are weak and like they were like marco was really quick to be like oh axe just wants to have power over us because we're just stupid humans you know like i thought that was very interesting yeah and i think it's also it was a good way to approach this conflict i I think it worked right yeah i think i think it was just well done like the pacing and the like i guess the gravity behind everyone's decisions and i don't know Mm. K.A. Applegate, just another home run. Um, I'm just looking at K.A. Applegate's page on this on the Animorphs wiki, and her son's name is Jake. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but he wasn't born until 1997, so she definitely named her son after her character, Yikes. right? That's <laughs> not a good look. That's my morbid moment. Um, <laughs> now my morbid moment is definitely like, not the fact that the controllers are killing the the humans mm. after not being controlled, but that like the fact that the kids found out about it the way they did, where like basically Jake saw Chapman come in and murder someone. Right. Um, and I'm interested to getting back to Jake's point of view. I hate to say that, but like, mm. To, to find out how that affected him and, like, what he's thinking now about what could possibly happen yeah, to Tom if yeah. he continues on in the way they are. Will that make him an even worse leader? I don't know. Probably. There was a good bit of body horror in that whole, like, kind of segment, too, um, where when the... Which just was mm-hmm. going to be my morbid moment for this week. Um, when uh, 
the controllers, controllees. See, I feel like I should re- we should refer to the bodies that are being controlled as the controllees because I think the controllers are the yerks. Mm. I think that's how I'm yeah, kind of so parsing. Formerly controlled. Formerly controlled, or I'm just gonna go with controllee because I like how it sounds. Um, but the con- yeah. when the controllees kind of like wake up and are trying to get the yerks out of their head, they like start like scratching at their head, and there's like when the teacher is doing it, he's like bleeding oh, yeah. because he's scratched like he's like pulling at his like s- scalp essentially oh, it's like in the ruins mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it was real gross so that was <laughs> gonna be my most morbid um but then i got to the end of this book and i didn't really want to have a most morbid moment this week because i thought it ended on such a hopeful note that i wanted to share it share this moment instead um because it choked me up a little bit and it was from jake which is weird but when Aww. Axe is revealing this whole thing that you kind of alluded to, when Axe is revealing Ciro's kindness and the law and whatever, um, he the, he's confused that the other Animorphs are seem to be happy with this story. And he, sa- he says, don't you understand? Your world is threatened by the Yerks because of my people. Prince Jake nodded. Yes, we understand, Axe. A long time ago, someone tried to be nice and it was a disaster. This zero person tried to be a good guy. He hoped all the different people of the galaxy would get along, that we'd all go to the stars together. Which, just that line, like, that we'd all go to the stars together, is, like, I don't know, I like, the whole Ciro story is such a sweet story, and I, like, I like how the Animorphs see it as that, and then, um, uh, Axe responds, mm-hmm. yes, and the result was terrible, and Cassie says... You don't stop hoping just because it doesn't always work out. You get more careful, you get wiser maybe, but you keep hoping. And that was such a nice, like, this book is so pure. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's such a good moment. I love it. Yes, I like that it's not getting too bogged down in the angst. Yes. When when we were getting into the series at the start of this project, um, like, looking it up it was like oh this series deals with the horrors of war and like all these moral issues i'm like it's a kid's book like it obviously doesn't oh it like it does it goes really hard and like yeah no lie yeah just like the i think it does such a good job of being like shit is terrible and we know it's terrible but we're gonna keep going anyway and that's a message i really Mm -hmm. like yeah it's a message we need in these times (laughs) (laughs) it does it a lot better than some adult literature does so um, what's our third one? What's our third segment? Series theories. Series theories. Where do you think um, it's going to go from here? And we have a long gap between our readings, so. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of wanted to just, because I don't really have any more theories besides the ones I kind of touched on in the episode. I wanted to point out mm-hmm. that I am vindicated in this book with my initial distrust of the Andalites. Um, yes, that is true. So chalk one up on the board for me. My only other theory is it's more of a query, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Is Axe's name a pun? Axe's name a pun on what is? So what's his full name? Axamili Escaruth Isthal. So Axamili would be one way to pronounce that. Axamili mm-hmm. would also be a neat way to pronounce that, like facsimile. <laughs> Like a thing ah. that that looks like another thing, like a thing that morphs into other things. Ah. Is that intentional? I don't know. <laughs> um, I also did, so, since I'm on the subject of names and I brought up the whole gender thing, 
Um, this isn't really a theory, just kind of something I want to look for. I talked about uh, we got more of the Andalite culture in this book. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like I, I just love, I think she does such a good job of like, sprinkling in these details like the oh like all fathers on earth thing and the thing you said about um rolling stones and how he doesn't realize that's not a name and whatever um both of him misunderstanding our culture and also like these little hints at what their culture is like without just like dumping exposition on us Mm -hmm. because there is a moment when he is calling the andalite homeworld and they say like oh you need to you're not an authorized sender what's your name and he tells us his full name and his like lineage and um it's uh, this is going to be a lot of nonsense sounds but bear with me um he says my name is Aximile or Aximile Iskaruth Istil brother of Alfangor Sirenil Shamtul son of Nurlin Sirenil Kuraf and Forlay Iskaruth Mahin so what is interesting about that is that we have his whole family's names. First off, we don't get genders associated with the parents. We don't know which one is the mother, which one's the father, mm-hmm. if they are gendered in that way or whatever. The children share the second name, the middle name of one of the parents, but it's not the same parent. So this isn't oh. a patriarchal or matriarchal society. It's some sort of dual situation because one of the parents is... Nurlin Sirenil Kuraf and Elfingor's full name is Elfingor Sirenil Shamtul and the other parent is Forlay Iskaruth mm-hmm. Mahin and Axe's full name is Aximile Iskaruth Istil. So the only names that are shared they don't share last names at all. They share middle names. Siblings don't share the same middle name but they both share the middle name of one of their parents. So I don't know what that means hmm. but it tells me something about this culture and that's that they don't have <laughs> Something we didn't know before. Well that they they don't have a specifically patrilineal or matrilineal society. So that's interesting. Oh, I just want, like, the World Almanac, but for Andalites, yeah. I would read that well, from cover to cover. I am guessing, you know, kind of looking ahead, because I know that some of the companion books are specifically, like, the Andalite War and stuff like that. Um, I know mm-hmm. there's one that's Hork-Bajir, and I think there are, like, a few that are... I haven't looked super into it because I don't want to spoil stuff for me, but I, I know that there are books that are Andalite specific um, about other Andalite characters. So I am guessing mm. eventually we will get more of a flushed out world of the Andalites, oh, but it's going to be a ways off. Oh my God. We have so much to look forward to. This is yes. excellent. Um, speaking of looking forward to now that we have, I think, unless there's anything else you want to talk about with this book. Nah, that's it. That's it for the Animorphs no. for now, guys. Just going to put them on the shelf and... <laughs> Save it for a rainy day. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about what is coming up so that you guys are prepared. Next fortnight, we will be launching, relaunching the podcast. It's going to be, as we've said before, same RSS feed. If you're subscribed, you should still be subscribed. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We are moving away from the hate read branding into a little Mm -hmm. bit what the podcast was originally supposed to be, which is getting us to read things that we normally wouldn't. Um, so the way this is mm-hmm. going to work from now on, instead of us just going back and forth, bringing challenges, we're going to do units on either genres or tropes, things that we don't normally read. So, uh, one of us will bring, it'll be, I think we've decided three books long for each unit. Uh, mm-hmm. the first book will be either 
a book that has stirred up a lot of controversy that is in that genre or that trope or a book like the rewind episodes we've done that we've read in the past and didn't like the second book in the unit will be a book that is like a prime example of that genre. The best example. Best example yeah. or the oldest example, something like that. Um, and then the third book will be mm-hmm. a book that the other person picks out to kind of try to find a book in that genre or trope that we will like. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be every other week. We're going to be doing two units at once. So one that Anna picks and one that I pick. Yes. So you're not like overburdened. Like if you really don't like a certain genre. Right, right. <laughs> Um, it we are too much of it at still once. Yeah. taking submissions, both in terms of if we announce a unit and you guys are like, oh, I've got the perfect book for that. We might do that. But if you have a book that you're like, this book just sucks unbelievably, or if you're like, this book is bonkers, you guys need to read it. We are still taking time in the schedule to do reader submissions. Yes, absolutely. We are going to be able to post the schedule further out because we're doing it this way. So there's going to be like, it's going to be more fleshed out. If not this specific book, at least kind of like what type of book it'll be. Mm -hmm. So with all of that said, I know that was like a lot of info and a lot of you guys probably don't care, but. (laughs) And we'll probably go over it again next fortnight anyway. (laughs) Um, But with all that said, we would like to now announce both what our first unit and the first book in that unit is going to be. And the, Mm name of the podcast as of the next name. fortnight yes so next fortnight we will be tackling a book that i'm <laughs> not excited about at all i don't know you're probably not excited about it either, i'm not but... i'm very excited about it actually because it's well go ahead and tell us what it is and i'll say why i'm excited yes we are going to be reading The Mister by E.L. James, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, most famous for being the author of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. Uh, but we've both been trying to keep ourselves in the complete dark about this book. Mm-hmm. I did, like, read one little thing that I'm like, I already hate it, but then I've stopped reading reviews or anything else about it. Um, Goodreads has this listed as new adult, so it's kind of going to be launching uh, our unit, my unit, I guess, of new adult. I don't... I haven't really read any new adult or have like really a desire to read new adult. I like, I guess, old adult or young adult, (laughs) (laughs) but not necessarily new adult. So um, this will be the first book in that three book series. Yes. Um, I have read a fair (laughs) bit of new adult. I wouldn't say like I'm an expert on it or anything, but I, I do read some new adult occasionally. So I'm excited because I generally like new adult uh and mm-hmm. i'm excited for this sp- book specifically because i never read 50 shades i did watch the first movie just to see what was going on i never read it um uh-huh. but i've read so same. many like sporking so many like takedowns also same just and they're <laughs> and it's so funny so i could never do 50 shades on this podcast because I think I like I know too much about like what other Be people influence. Yeah, like people have already made all the jokes. I don't want to steal other people's jokes. Yes. But I'm hoping this is much as a, of a train wreck as that is because oh, it's gonna be so good. It's I I really appreciate that I'm we've excited. had a lot of people say how much they like the Animorph series, and it's great that and going forward, it's great that like people still like ta- hearing us talk about stuff that we don't hate. But I do mm-hmm. still really like ranting about stupid shit. So I'm excited that we're going to get a little bit of that, I think, next fortnight. Yes, yes. I, I'm a little bit excited to have a return to form. Uh, but also excited to um, not dread 
record reading and recording an episode every two yes. weeks. It's it's gonna be nice that it'll be mixed up a little bit. That's not always gonna be terrible. But yes, I hopefully. think this is one of those books that might be. Hopefully, we're not so set terrible, in our ways. So it should be exciting, and I really am looking forward to it. Yeah, and also like just please keep sending your submissions because mm-hmm. you never know like your submission might spark an entirely new unit for us. Yeah. Um. So yes, please don't feel like we are not looking for them. Yeah, and it can be it can be um like I said I think both of the units that we're starting off with Anna's is new adult and mine is going to be uh, I'll go ahead and announce this now so that you can get hyped for it too. Um, mine is going to be yes. cyberpunk, so that'll be fun. <laughs> but uh yeah if you've got a, a genre we're looking for kind of like smaller genres um that you think maybe we aren't familiar with more niche or if there's like a trope because we have discussed maybe doing tropes too of like tropes that we don't like yeah. or haven't liked in the past mm-hmm. or have like love triangle yeah or... stuff like that yeah so if you if you've got a suggestion for a book or a suggestion for a unit even um i've got a few lined up already that i know we're gonna get into but uh you know shoot them our way please do um and so with the new format we should also talk about the new title Mm -hmm. so drum roll everyone listening please i'll i will pause here for you to give a drum roll (laughs) i hope you joined in with our drum roll the new title is you can say it if you want Oh, <laughs> shelf aware, uh, shelf aware podcast. <laughs> da, 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 da. So we are in the process of changing all of our media tags and stuff like that. But for right now, so like we'll be making announcements on our Twitter and stuff. But I believe with the way that Twitter works, you will still be following us when we change yes. our name. Same with Instagram. Um, the email, you can still email um, our current email. It'll be all every thing is going to be forwarded into the same inbox. Yeah, we're, so we're going to keep that email there. active just so that, like, if people listen to old episodes, they can still email us and whatever. A little harder to do with Twitter because we are going to be changing the name. But um, for right now, you can follow us on Twitter at HateReadCast. If you uh, happen to know what color horses are in San Francisco, tweet at us or email us if you have <laughs> suggestions, comments, concerns, anything at all. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, HateReadCast at gmail.com for now. It will change soon. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us, you definitely should because you we don't want to lose you in our big migration to a new name. Yeah, we um, love you. So please, <laughs> for your own sake, do it. Subscribe. <laughs> uh, if you are on iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, if you oh, use that, uh, go ahead and shoot Sorry. us a five-star review. Spoiler for something coming up, but there may be an incentive to do that five-star review if you haven't already. Um, mm-hmm. Little little mm-hmm. fun fun teaser there for something coming uh, next fortnight we'll be talking about. Yes. And if you don't use Apple Podcasts, that's okay because you can still tell people all about our podcast and tell them it's a great time to start because we are, you know, kind of launching on this new journey they can come along with us and not feel like they're super behind on all of our fabulous in jokes i mean we're still gonna be referring to good time slime but that's fine very true and we'll make shovel hands and all you know all of the good stuff i think you uh, can probably get what good time slime is from context so that one will be okay (laughs) (laughs) well man shovel hands maybe not so much but uh (laughs) you know 
Are you really a fan if you haven't listened to every episode a hundred times? Yes, we love you all equally. (laughs) In the words of K.A. Applegate, the animal I morph the most is the human animal. They are weak, slow, half-blind, and unstable, but no Andalite should laugh at them. Humans rule their planet, and as the human Rachel once said, Earth is a tough neighborhood. I like that. I like that quote, too. It's cute. It's not funny, but... It's not funny, but we're, we're in a heartfelt mood at the end of this episode. That is true. That is true. Lori Laughlin was was Lori Laughlin Full House or was that no Sweeten Sweeten was the one who was Full House right am I making that up what was what's her face something Sweeten who was in the college admission scandal with Lori Laughlin one of them was Full House weren't they uh uh, uh what's her name um Felicity Huffman but oh. she's the best for Housewives right no but Elizabeth is it Elizabeth do I just think every woman's name is Elizabeth is it Elizabeth Sweet? Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Hold on, I have to look this up now. I'm sorry. You'll have to look up Full House. I never really watched it. No, nope, not Elizabeth Sweeten. Jody Sweeten. Jody Sweeten. There you That's go. That's it. Wasn't she in the um, college admission scandal recently? Probably. I think so. I only know for sure of uh, what's her name and then the also the other thing. Lori Laughlin. And yeah. <laughs> And those are the only two that I know. Am I slandering Jody Sweeten right now? Was she not involved in this? Maybe I'm slandering Jody Sweeten. Oh, <laughs> wait, hold say? on. Hold on. Okay, Lori Laughlin was in Full House, though, which I didn't realize until right now. Because. She... Okay, Lori Laughlin was in Full House and was in the college admission scandal. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Was Jody Sweeten involved in the college admission scandal? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, no, I don't think she was. I want, to, I want to retract my former statements. As far as I know, Jody Sweeten was not involved. I don't in think this. she was. I think I don't think she the, other, was. the older one. I just slandered Jody Sweeten. I'm sorry, Jody Sweeten. I've never seen anything <laughs> you're in. This is all going so well. <laughs> this is really going well. <laughs> Oh man! Well, but I'm, I'm glad we solved watch it because I actually also know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what even happened? Where are we? 